0: Welcome again. Glad you could worship with us today. If you're worshiping with us online, we are glad you are with us. And uh, my name is Dennis bosa I'm just going to share a little bit of what's going on around the church. And uh, I want to start with thanking you for your prayers during our recent trip to Israel. Uh, It was a discipleship trip. There were 21 uh, people who came together uh, seeking more of the Lord. And I've just got a few pictures here for you. Uh, first thing we did uh, on the first morning was to go drive down to near, uh, from, uh, from our hotel down n- near Gaza Strip. And there uh, we prayed over uh, Gaza and all the difficulties that are going on there. Uh, and we were able to run into some Israeli soldiers. These are 18 and 19-year-old recruits. They all have to go into the military service. Uh, we were able to uh, be with them and encourage them. Uh, they are there learning about all the different issues that have happened with Gaza. We, uh, keep, we'll keep going. Um, this next one is uh, of the group doing some worship uh, in the theater in uh, Betcheon, uh, which is the place where, near where Saul and his sons died, uh, floating in the Dead Sea. Uh, we, we do have fun on these trips, um, but it is a very serious trip, but we do have fun. Uh, here you're on Mount Arbel, and you're looking out uh, in a, uh, east, a northeast direction uh, over the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the town of Mary Magdalene is just down in the front there. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, next one. Yeah, okay. Here we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's near the end of the trip, and we're starting to bring everything together. And this is the moment where we hand our will over to the Father the way Jesus did. Uh, next one is uh, the group on the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus is going to return, uh, according to Zechariah chapter 14 and Acts chapter 1. So the group uh, taking a shot there. And then I think uh, the last picture I have here is my favorite place in Israel. This is uh, one of the potential places of the solitary place where Jesus withdrew to pray early in the morning. And uh, we uh, prayed and worshipped up here. And you know the Lord spoke to me in such a clear way there, uh, not only encouraging uh, me and Marianne for our next season, but also that the next season of the church. And uh, there's a, I think there's a wonderful blessing coming our way as we transition leaders from me to Jamie, as we uh, embark on this journey we've started with spiritual gifts and uh, uh, seeking the glory of God and bringing a, a culture of developing of new leaders in our church. God's going to be doing some amazing things here. And he spoke to me up there. So um, as far as next things going on, we have uh, starting next week and running through Easter Sunday, we're going to have our annual missions offering. This is an opportunity we ha- we take every year. This is our second annual to invest in our favorite Mission Partners. Uh, you can do that on Church Center or the church website, or you can write a check with uh, your direction in the, in the, uh, in the uh, memo line. And this little handout uh, you received, did everybody get one of these? Okay, they're coming around. This little handout describes what our mission partners do and um, help you uh, see more of the spiritual footprint of this congregation around the world. And we, uh, we reviewed that a little bit in January, but here's an opportunity to invest in the missions that make most sense to you and make closest to how God has direct, is directing you. And uh, we're asking uh, the Lord to expand our mission footprint around the world as we uh, engage in this offering. Uh, also, we are continuing to pray for the Ukraine. The people of Ukraine, we are continuing in prayer Uh, And we also have the opportunity to continue to give. So we have a team from Amsterdam who is now in Poland ministering uh, trauma care, a team of about 20 people ministering trauma care to hundreds of refugees that are coming from Ukraine into Poland. So that's another giving opportunity. You'll see that on the drop-down giving menu in the church, or you can just write it according to... uh, the memo line of your check. And then lastly, I just want to remind us of what's coming up next. So today, uh, Jamie is completing our series uh, in the spiritual gifts, gifted and going for it. And our theme today is fanning our gifts into flame. Also next week, uh, Palm Sunday, we'll begin taking the missions offering. And uh, also the week after Resurrection Sunday, we'll continue on the missions offering theme But we also will have baptisms on Resurrection Sunday. So if you have a desire to be baptized, or you have uh, a child that is ready to be baptized, that's a good time to schedule that on Easter Sunday morning uh, during our worship. And finally, the week after, we will start a six-week series, uh, which will be a little bit of a farewell series on my part. I'm going to be going through uh, Paul's letter to his protégés, Timothy and Titus. And we'll be looking at the times in the last 18 years where we've had our backs to the wall or we've felt overwhelmed and we were able to say, "But God, but God, who moved uh, when we most needed it. So it'll be a great opportunity to look at the history that has happened here if you're new, and also to celebrate uh, the glory of God. Uh, so, Let's, uh, let's pray here as we head into the message uh, and before Jamie comes up. Father, we thank you for the privilege of worship. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst. Uh, Lord, we thank you for all that you did uh, in the lives of those that went to Israel. We thank you, Father, for uh, the opportunity to sow and invest generously into the work of our mission partners. Uh, Father, we thank you that... Uh, you're a great accountant, and you keep track of all of our actions by faith that lead into our eternal account, and we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, we lift up the people of Ukraine this morning. Lord, we continue to pray for the uh, evil to cease, for hearts to change. We pray over the uh, the saints in Ukraine. Lord, even as they gather today, uh, Lord, that you would give them great courage and strength and, and all endurance and all power according to your glorious might. And Lord, that you would bring uh, the church uh, in Ukraine and the church nearby into the full, uh, just the full love and the full uh, service to the body of Christ in Ukraine. And we uh, thank you for the opportunities. And we bless the team uh, from Amsterdam that is serving in Poland now that many would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father, now as we uh, turn to your word, we ask that you would, uh, Lord, teach us not to neglect the gifts you've given us and that you would help us, Lord, by your Spirit, to fan into flame the gifts that each and every one of us has in this body. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome Jamie.
1: (laughs) Good morning. As Dee said, if you're new here and you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as one of the elders and pastors here. And we are closing out our series on spiritual gifts today. We started this series in September of last year. And so we're closing today. So I want to invite you to turn into your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. While you're turning there, um, I want to put these scriptures up so that you can see them. There are really two passages that we're going to be looking at uh, today. And it's interesting, it's, it's a command of Paul, this great apostle to the Gentiles. And he's writing these two letters to his son in the faith, Timothy which Dennis is going to be tackling in the next six weeks after Easter. And it's funny, you think about someone, especially 2 Timothy, you think about a man who knows that he's going to die. And he knows that this may be some of the last words that he gets to communicate to this son in the faith that he loves. And when we think with that kind of context, and then we hear what Paul is emphasizing to Timothy. It helps us to see the value of what Paul is saying. Now, obviously, all of Scripture is important. It's authoritative in our life. But I, I want to make sure that you have this context, that Paul is speaking to a one that he loves, and it is entirely possible that he will never see Timothy again. And He says, "I want to remind you." So I've got these two passages, and I just want you to see them back to back. Um, these two passages: Second Timothy four, and then 1 Timothy or Second Timothy one, and then First Timothy four. Do we have that? Great. It says, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you." Through the laying on of my hands. That's 2 Timothy 1. And then the next slide. So, one was the positive. I want to remind you to fan into flame. And one is the negative. Same thing. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Two letters. Paul is giving these commands, one in the positive, one in the negative. I remind you to fan into flame, and I remind you, do not neglect. There's a positive and a negative, the same thing that he's saying to Timothy, his son in the faith. And it's a strong statement that I believe the Lord is saying to us as a church family, as MCC. And as I was studying, I came across John Stott. And frankly, if you have any chance to read anything that John Stott says, you should read it. And Dr. Stott said this. From this, he's talking about these two passages. From this we learn that a spiritual gift is not a static or permanent endowment from God. Its human recipient must use it and develop it. Spiritual gift The spiritual gifts that you've been given, the gifts that you will have yet to receive, they are not static. But it requires us to cultivate and use these gifts. That's the big idea of this message. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to go after the text together. Father, thank you for your presence here with us. And you are a good father who gives good gifts to his kiddos. And Abba, I confess that you have given gifts that I pushed to the side and have ignored. And Father, as a church, we confess to you there have been gifts you have given us that we have thrown to the side and acted as if they are not worthy of us. But you are so kind and patient. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you will come now and ignite in us. Ignite in us a great love for Jesus. Ignite in us a great love for your word. Ignite in us zeal for your kingdom and ignite in us awareness of the Spirit's presence in our life. I bless my brothers and sisters right now. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you with the fire of God. I bless you with courage to fan into flame that which Jesus has deposited in you. I bless you to not... Be feeling guilty about neglecting gifts. I bless you with courage and zeal to fan into flame all the gifts that you have received and the gifts you are yet to receive. I bless you, church. So, Abba, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to do this in a couple of parts. I'm going to do this quickly. Part one, I just want to review the series. I'm going to do that very quickly. Number two. I'm going to do that very quickly. Number two, I just want to talk through what Paul is saying to Timothy. It's really important when you study the Bible, what, what is the Bible actually saying? It's good that we understand that first, and then we start to make application to ourselves. Sometimes we jump to application so quickly, and it gets a little bit hairy. So we want to look at what did Paul actually say to Timothy? What, what is he saying? And then make application in the third and fourth part. Uh, part. So, thirdly, when I ask the question, "How and why do we neglect the gifts of the Spirit?" and then finally, some practical ways for us to fan these gifts into flame. So, our series, like I said, has been uh, happening since September. Our theme verse has been this: "Earnestly pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially." That you may prophesy. That's been our theme verse. To earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Does earnestly desiring spiritual gifts sound like a passive approach towards gifts? Does it? No, it doesn't. It actually, sounds pretty intentional and aggressive and going for it. Thus, the series name Gifted and going for it. And If you remember, if you were here at the Jack Deere, when Jack Deere was with us at the Gifted Conference, he said that that verse is one of the most disobeyed scriptures in the church especially among us that love the word. (laughs) Okay, I better not go there. We want to be, this is what MCC is called to be. I just want to make sure that's clear. As a church family, this is what we're being called to be, that we pursue love and we earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Goals of the series, we were laying a biblical foundation for the use of the gifts here at MCC. We're empowering MCC to fan and to flame all of her gifts. We're wanting to encourage us as a church family to earnestly desire more gifts and to release our members, this family, to use their gifts, building up the church and advancing the gospel. We've had some resources that we've been recommending to you. One is a book by Jack Deere entitled Why I Am Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. I want to encourage you. One of the ways you fan into flame is that you read books on spiritual gifts. So I want to encourage you to read that book. A second book by Sam Storms is Understanding Spiritual Gifts, A Comprehensive Guide. Another resource is this series. I don't think anyone in this church family has been here every single week of this series. So I just want to encourage you. You know that you can go to YouTube. And watch any of these messages again. So if you're like, what is the gift of tongues? We got a sermon on that. Well, Especially prophecy. I don't even know what the gift of prophecy is. We have two messages on prophecy. So I just want to encourage you. There are resources available. So go to YouTube. You can see this entire series. But I want to make, make sure it's really clear to us. And to us as a church family. That this concept of earnestly desiring spiritual gifts is not just a sermon series. And now that the series is over, we're going to go find something else to do. But actually, we want this to be a characteristic of our church family. That we pursue God and we pursue the gifts that he has given us and we use those for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So yes, the series is coming to an end, but the obedience to the Word of God and to use the gifts of God does not come to an end when the sermon series comes to an end. So, series review. Okay, let's look at the text. Paul's command to Timothy. This is part two. Paul's command to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy chapter one I'm just going to walk through the text so we see what Paul is saying to his son in the faith. This is 2 Timothy 1, and then we're going to look at 1 Timothy 4. I'm actually going to start with verse 1 of 2 Timothy So this is the the last letter that Paul writes to Timothy that we have recorded. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a phrase? (laughs) According to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus Christ. Our Lord, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers. Don't, don't take for granted people in your life that pray for you every day. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember your tears, he's remembering the, maybe the last moment he saw Timothy and they embraced, and Timothy was weeping. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Don't take for granted mamas and grandmamas in your life, physical or spiritual. For this reason, and here's the passage, for this reason, because of your faith, because of what's been put in you by Lois and Eunice, because of what I know of you, because of the time that I've spent investing in you, because of who you are to me, for this reason, I remind you, I bring to your attention again, young Timothy. I want to tell you again, one of the last things I can say to you, I remind you again, To fan, everybody go like this, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in, everybody say in, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So, Paul uses this analogy of a flame. And we all know this. I don't need to spend a lot of time with this. If you've ever sat by a, a fire, like on one of those days where you thought it was going to be spring and then all of a sudden it gets freezing again, yeah, have we experienced any of that? And you go outside and you, you make a fire. You know that you have to tend that thing or what happens? It's the it's principle of atrophy, <laughs> energy atrophy in the universe that I must pay attention that even if I've got friends around and I'm talking, right, and we're eating together, we're having conversation, we're drinking together, we're being together, I still need to pay attention and go, Because if I don't, what happens to the flame? It's gone. What's interesting though, is that oftentimes I've thought a fire was out. You, you all know this. And I go. And just right underneath, is like a little. Which says something about the goodness of God, I think. That even when we think. I personally am cold towards the Lord. I'm preaching to myself right now. Even when I know that I am cold, I can feel coldness towards the Lord. The spirit of the living God, God the spirit dwells within me. And if I will just and be intentional about cultivating my relationship with God, he will ignite in me again. So Paul says, I remind you to fan fan into flame. And what are we fanning into flame? The gift of God that is within you. <laughs> Through the laying out of my hands, Paul says. Let's jump over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I just want you to see how it's, it's almost the same command. Now I'm backing up a letter. This is 1 Timothy 4. Like flip like two pages and you're probably already there. 1 Timothy 4. Look at verse 11. We're going to start there. He says, Command and teach these things. And he's talking about the gospel itself, the veracity of who Jesus is, that hope is found in Christ, life is found in Christ, not in anything else. Command and teach these things, he says, verse 11. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Timothy is a young man, he's ministering in Ephesus. There are likely a lot of older men and older women in this congregation, and we can tell reading between the lines that uh, Timothy struggled with anxiety and timidity. And I can speak from experience, since at least half of this congregation is older than I am, I know what it feels like to lead people that are maturer than you, that have walked with Jesus longer than you, but still be commanded to lead and teach. So I know this timidity. He says, verse 13, until I come, so again, we're backing up in time. Paul is hoping to get to Timothy, get to Ephesus. He says, until I come, devote yourself to three things, to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, And to teaching. Now, have you ever wondered why we do what we do on Sunday mornings or when we gather for worship? Have you ever wondered that? Sometimes people say, you know, I don't really like the teaching. Let's just worship. Or some people say, you know what, let's let's just do teaching. I don't want to do anything else. But verses like this help communicate to us as a church family, this is what the body of Christ does. We gather together and we read the word together. And we exhort one another in the word. And we teach one another in the word. We find out in 1 Corinthians 14 that, that we come and we sing together. Some person brings a song. Someone brings a revelation. So we don't just do this like when we get together and some dude just walks up here and just starts talking and screaming at everybody. Like the reason we do that is because the Bible says we should do that. You see? It's so valuable to read the word together as a family and to have individuals in the church family exhorting one another and teaching one another. Okay. That's a different sermon. Let's keep going. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have. Again, this is the negative of the fanning and the flame. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. Now, what? A, that's interesting. The gift that Timothy was given was by prophecy. Remember the theme verse, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may What? prophesy. The gift that was given to Timothy came through prophecy. A church that rejects prophecy is going to have a hard time experiencing gifts. That's a bonus. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands. So now we have another group that's laid their hands on Timothy. The council of elders laid their hands on you. Now, we see, we see a theme now. We have the gift of God. We have a cultivation of that gift. And the, the way that gift came was by other individuals laying hands. We saw that from 2 Timothy 1. Now we see it from 1 Timothy 4. There's laying on of hands and there is prophecy being spoken, whereby the gift was given to Timothy. Are you all seeing that in the text? you see what I'm saying? Now, that's interesting. This is why, as a church family, we lay hands on people when we pray. I mean, first we say, is it okay if I lay my hands on you, right? Try to be respectful. But this is one of the reasons why we lay hands. It's also the example of Jesus. We lay hands and pray. That God is moving through the body as we lay hands on one another and pray. Have you ever considered that if someone came up to you for prayer, you laid hands on them and began to prophesy over them that they would receive a spiritual gift? That's what God does. Isn't that amazing? It makes church a little bit exciting, like, uh uh-oh, what's about to happen? What if somebody asks me for prayer? What if somebody asks me for prayer? I think we should approach it like, I can't wait to get my hands on somebody. Because if I get my hands, and I mean it in a loving way, don't come at me with, you know. But I can't wait. This is why I love prayer teams. I get so jazzed about being on prayer teams. Because I get to lay hands on people and God's doing stuff. And I don't, whatever, get them, sick them. It's a Baylor thing. Sick them. Go Bears. What does he say? Verse 15. Practice these things. What are the these things? Well, contextually, uh, these things would be the devotion to public reading of Scripture, exhortation, and teaching, and presumably these gifts. It's interesting. We don't hear about any of the gifts that Timothy has in here, but by context, we could assume one of his gifts is leadership, one of his gifts is exhortation, one of his gifts is teaching because they're mentioned in the text. So we could presume those are his gifts, and he says, practice these things. Everybody say practice. Like Alan Iverson up here, practice these things, practice these things, practice. We're we talking about practice. Sorry, <laughs> only a certain demographic is with me. It's fine, it's fine. How about Duke, North Carolina, last night though? For real, <laughs> Coach K walking all sad. Okay, all right, let's get back on track practice these things. Let me just say something to you right now. Let me just say something to you right now. Everybody looking right here at me. If you think that your exercise of spiritual gifts must be perfect from the drop, you have not understood the scriptures. What did Paul just tell Timothy to do with regard to spiritual gifts? We're talking about practice. That means you can get it wrong, right? That's like I practice and then I get it wrong and then I get feedback. And then I try it again, and I get it wrong, get feedback. And then I try it again, and maybe a little bit better, I get feedback, right? Some of us have a weird idea, like, if I've got a certain gift, I should be able to use it perfectly all the time. No, no, you got to practice. Okay, let's keep going. Practice these things. Immerse. This is a weird word. Immerse yourself. That word literally means be in them. Let me say that again. That verb is to be. So it's weird. It's a weird idiom. Paul says to Timothy, these spiritual gifts, be in them. Be them. Be in them. Immerse yourself. So from an idiomatic standpoint, be like, be up to your ears in gifts. Be obsessed with gifts. Are y'all hearing me? Immerse yourself. Not a little dab, but a... In gifts, immerse yourself. Be wrapped up. Throw yourself into these gifts. Again, intentionality, aggressiveness, attentiveness. You can see all of these verbs at play. And how should you do this? Verse ten, verse uh, bottom half of fifteen so that all may see your progress. Now, this is fun. That means when you fail in spiritual gifts, everybody should be able to see it so they can see how you're getting better. Are y'all seeing the text? (laughs) That means spiritual gifts. It's not like I'm gonna practice this at home because when I come to church, I gotta act like I'm perfect. Actually, it's, you know what? I get to come to church and practice and fail in front of everybody because they love me and they'll give me feedback and help me get better. So the the exercise of gifts here at MCC needs to be like we mess up in front of each other and we love each other through it and help each other get better. So that everyone can see your progress, see your growth. This is gradual improvement. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this. There's teaching again. So again, probably Timothy has the gift of teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Obviously, he's not saying that we are saved by teaching or that we're saved by a spiritual leader in our life. But what he's saying is that, Timothy, the the gospel that you're proclaiming, that Jesus died for our sins, he was raised on the third day for our sins, and he has called us to himself. That we can come by grace through faith to Jesus who died in our place on the cross. He became our sin and brokenness on the cross. And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for your sin. And he was buried. He died and he was buried in the ground. And he was raised on the third day so that your sin and brokenness and my sin and brokenness stays in the ground. And the resurrected Jesus who said, I will die for you and I will be raised for you. He did what he said he would do. And we can come to him and receive forgiveness of sins. That that truth, that gospel would save both Timothy and his hearers, is what he's saying. So let's get practical. Part three. How and why we neglect gifts of the Spirit. How and why we would neglect these gifts. It's so interesting to me. I mean, you'd think Timothy would have gotten past the spiritual gift stuff. Don't you think? But he's reminded twice in two different letters. Like Paul's got to write another letter to the dude to tell him this. That tells me that if I'm not even thinking about spiritual gifts at all, I'm further behind than Timothy was. Are you all hearing me? So how and why would we neglect gifts of the Spirit? Number one, I think there's ignorance about the topic. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12.1 to a church that was functioning in all kinds of gifts. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. I'm just going to say this right now. The Corinthian church knew more about spiritual gifts than we do in this room. They were practicing all kinds of spiritual gifts. And Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I think many uh, churches are uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. You know this, that the, the church kind of had a divorce between churches that lean towards the word and then churches that lean over here towards the spirit. And in terms of gross generalization, word churches, the ditch that they fall into is that they will say, all we need is the Bible. I don't need experiences. I don't need encounters. I don't need affection from God or towards God. I just need to know this word. If I know the word, I'm fine. It is true that the scriptures are all sufficient. But the Bible is not God. God is God. Then the other side falls into a ditch. The spirit churches, they fall into the ditch of, the Bible's boring. Why do we have to teach from the Bible? Let's just encounter. Ah. Refreshment. Ah. Is he going to teach? It's so boring. I just went, ah. Right? So you have two ditches. And word churches that are like, I want to teach all the scripture, they just skip 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 because they don't know what to do with it. We want to be the kind of church that is 100% word and 100% spirit. And does that sound like a paradox? Yes, it is. The Christian life is a paradox. (laughs) 100% 100% word, 100% spirit. Ignorance on the topic. Number two, I think many times we neglect gifts because we disqualify ourselves. If you saw in the text, the, the underlying subtext here is that Timothy is a, a little timid towards his leadership in this community. It says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and in purity. Some of us, the reason we don't use our gifts is because we think we're too young to do something of significance in the kingdom. Or I'm too whatever. No, I sinned this week so God would never use me at church on Sunday or in the marketplace. We disqualify ourselves. Everybody look right here at me. Everybody look right here at me. You are not good enough To use spiritual gifts. I don't care if you read the Bible every day this week. You're actually not good enough. But Jesus has come and given you the very righteousness of God. This is what's fantastic about the gospel. I trade my brokenness for his righteousness. It is exchanged. So any righteousness you have is not because you did anything right. It's because Jesus did it right for you. And any gifting he gave to you is not because you earned the gift, but it's a gift. Christmas is a gift, right? <laughs> Jesus was given. We give gifts. We don't, we don't give a gift to our kid and they're like, you're going to have to pay me 50 bucks for that. Unless you pay me. I am not. You see what I'm saying? We disqualify ourselves. Personally, or we disqualify ourselves based off of our own gifting. We look at our gift and we think that's not a significant gift. Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, the body consists of not one member, but many different members. And if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. He says that would not make it any less a part of the body. So some people, you look at the gift that you have and you're like, well, this is a pretty insignificant gift. And then you neglect that gift. Not realizing that our body needs everybody using their gifts so that we can all grow up into Christ. We think that Christianity is an individualistic faith, that if Jamie just does all the spiritual disciplines, Jamie will grow up into Christ likeness. When the truth of the matter is, Jamie must be in community with all y'all. Because I need y'all to grow into Christ. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So if I stand over here and act like, well, I'm just going to read the scriptures and forget these people. I don't care how insignificant you think you are in terms of gifting. We need you. We need you. Third reason why we might neglect gifts of the spirit is the abuse of the gifts. Many of us have experienced someone using a spiritual gift, saying, this is a spiritual gift. I'm going I'm to spiritual gift you. And then we experience abuse. Very, very often in, in the gift of prophecy. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it. Where someone says, I'm hearing from God. God says, thus saith the Lord, you need to X. And then that person is trying to control the other person by saying, God said. And so there, it, abuse is happening. 1 Corinthians 13 is not at play. I'm not loving. That person is not loving the person they're ministering to. They're actually trying to manipulate and control by prophecy. So abuse happens, and then it causes us to neglect and back away from gifts. Or you get into a community, and everybody's spouting off in tongues, and nobody is interpreting. No one knows what the heck is going on. Because we're not actually I- interpreting what's happening. And so we see that abuse, and we just back away. Well, if that's what happens when there's tongues, then I'm just going to back away from tongues. Even though the gift of tongues is in Scripture, and Paul Paul literally writes at the end of chapter 14, do not forbid speaking in tongues. You can look it up. And yet we neglect it because we see abuse of it. you, You know what I'm saying? Abuse. Fourth reason. Out of a desire to be wise and cautious, we neglect gifts. I did this for so long, I did this for decades, I would see abuse, I would see people saying things that weren't according to Scripture, and I thought to myself, let's just be cautious about all of this, because if you start letting prophecy let loose, it might undermine the sufficiency of Scripture, because if a bunch of people are saying that they're hearing from God, does that undermine the Scriptures? And then I begin to say, I'm open to the gifts, but I'm cautious about it. Let's have balance. Let's be safe. And that sounds really right, except the Bible doesn't say that. Paul, and I've said this before, Paul, speaking to a church that were abusing one another with the gifts and abusing the gifts, Paul does not say to the Corinthian church, they were wildly abusing one another with gifts. And Paul does not say... Church of Corinth, I need y'all to just take a little time out with the gifts. You're going a little bit too overboard. He doesn't say that. He says, why don't y'all be cautious about prophecy? Why don't you be cautious about the gifts? He doesn't say that. Let's be wise and balanced. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? Pursue love, do all these in love, and eagerly desire gifts. So the response to the abuse of gifts is not back away and be cautious. The response to the abuse of gifts is to do them in love and go more after the gifts. Are y'all hearing me? And that is an important distinction. Because it sounds wise, let's just be cautious. Let's just be balanced. But Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, exercise the fruit of the Spirit and go harder after gifts. Causes us to neglect. Pride and a culture of perfection. Man. Pride and a culture of perfection. I got to tell you this story, though. Um, I like to play games only if I'm pretty sure that I'm going to win the game. (laughs) In fact, I am so much this way that when I would play uh, old school NES, for all you similar age people to me, old school Nintendo. There's a game called Contra, a game called Contra. I didn't like playing Contra unless I put the cheat code in. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, start. That's the cheat code for Contra. You press that during the main screen, you get 40 lives, I think. See, I, I only like to play video games when I'm pretty confident I'm gonna win this game. You know what that's called? Pride, (laughs) I don't like to lose. You know what the Lord has taught me? You want to follow Jesus, you have to get rid of that attitude. If you want to follow Jesus, he will intentionally put you into circumstances and ask you to do things that you do not know if you will succeed or not. In fact, most of the time, especially if you have pride issues like I have, did, and have, he will intentionally put you into situations where you do not know the outcome, you do not know if you will win, and you don't have a cheat code. He will intentionally put you in a circumstance where you will look like a fool. Because he loves to use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. We neglect gifts because we don't understand. If you're going to exercise gifts, that means you have to practice. It means you have to fail. It means you have to fail in front of people so they can see your progress. And many of us don't want to fail in front of other people. So we will not practice. The other thing that I used to do, oh man. I love Bible studies. I love curriculum. But oftentimes, I would trust the curriculum more than Christ. And see, in spiritual gifts, it's not about formulas. It's about Jesus. And we're so comfortable with formulas. If I just do A, B, C, D, E, in this order, everything will be fine. That's not how the kingdom works. Actually, the kingdom works like this. You want me to step out of the boat onto the water? But I'll sink. You want me to do it anyway? But the curriculum says stay on solid ground. So we neglect. Finally, the lies of the enemy. I think the enemy has lied to us as a church. I'm not talking about MCC. I'm just talking about church in general. Because think about it. Think about what the enemy, think about that strategy. If I could convince everybody in the church to not exercise their gifts and to neglect their gifts and to put their hands behind their back and not exercise the power of God in their life, I could make that church impotent. So the enemy lies to us about our gifts. Oh, be cautious. Be balanced. Don't do that weird stuff. Because the enemy knows as soon as a church steps into the power of God within them, that church will unleash the kingdom of God all around it. So we neglect gifts because the enemy is lying in our ears. So finally, let's fan these things into flame. Number one, ask Jesus for more. Ask Jesus for more. Ask him for fire. Ask him for passion. Ask him for more of his presence with you. Ask him for more gifts. Ask him for more revelation on these gifts. Number two, Receive prayer and the laying on of hands. Be totally open to someone. If someone says, hey, can I lay hands on you while we pray? Yes. Because apparently gifts are coming through the laying on of hands. So receive prayer. We're going to have prayer teams up here at the end of the service. Receive Come and receive prayer. And if they don't ask, say, I want you to put hands on me. Lay hands on me and prophesy over me. Third, practice. I want to encourage people. This isn't about like, oh, we want people at MCC in the building. It makes us feel good. It's not for that purpose. But we need to gather as a church family and practice together. So I want to encourage you, come on Sunday mornings. Come on Wednesday nights when we practice. Be engaged with a small group. And if your small group leader is not engaging in spiritual gifts, then tell them to fan themselves into flame. To practice the gifts. So come and practice Fourth, immerse yourself. By the way, I'm just using the language that Paul gave Timothy. Immerse yourself. If you haven't read Jack Deere's book, then I would start there. Immerse yourself. Read. Study. Figure it out. Use the resources that we have. Seek people out. I, if, I'm, if I'm interested in a specific gift or I think that I have this gift and I'm not growing in it, I would find the one person in this church family that flows in that gift the best, and I would take them out for lunch like once a week, and I would just keep asking them questions. That's what I did. When I want to learn how to prophesy, I found the best people that heard God's voice the clearest, and I met with them once a week because I want to know what they're doing. Immerse yourself. Fifth, consider the other six days a week. This is important. The majority of your time is not spent in these walls, and your spiritual gifts are not limited to these walls. That means the majority of the time that you're using your spiritual gifts should be out there. Did you know that your marketplace job needs you to exercise your spiritual gifts? And you get to use your gifts at your job. So the idea would be we practice here so we know what we're doing. And then we go into the marketplace and we unleash the kingdom of God. Practice and then go. Practice and then go. So consider the other six days a week. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to invite anybody who here is on prayer team to just come on up front. We're going to have prayer teams available um, to pray. Let me just pray a blessing over you right now, and then we're going to be dismissed, and we'll have people up here to pray. I'll be here as well to pray. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. For those of you that are feeling timid and afraid and anxious, I speak peace to you right now. For those of you that feel fear regularly during your day, I tell you that you have not been given a spirit of fear. But you've been given the spirit of the Prince of Peace, so I bless you with peace right now. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come, that you will break off fear right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your, your words to us. And we submit to you again, and we tell you that we want to be your people who look like you and talk like you and act like you. And we give you this church, and we give you um, our gifts, and we ask that you'll come and breathe on us. And all God's people said, Amen. Church family, you are dismissed. Be at peace. There's prayer people up here if you want to receive prayer.